service. That's going to be so exciting. And uh, so this is going to be a great way to start out the new year. But I wanted to say before we do that, this is the beginning of the year. And so we like to begin the year with a concentrated time of prayer and fasting. Um, So starting today will be the beginning of this 21-day prayer time. And when you came in, I don't know, were you offered a prayer guide when you came in the door? Okay. Uh, The prayer guide just kind of guides you through the 21 days. I just did, uh, I only got a week of them prepared. So next week you get your next week's supply. Uh, So there's seven days on the prayer guide. And it's just a little devotion for each day and a scripture to read and to think about. But you'll notice that on uh, Wednesday of this week that there's a special devotional about fasting, and that is because we're encouraging people during these first three weeks to fast on Wednesdays. If you've never participated in fasting, it's doing without food in order to uh, have a concentrated emphasis on your spiritual life and to say to God, I need you more than bread. I need you more than the air that I breathe. I need you more than anything. And so we put aside from food. And then on Wednesdays, for the next three Wednesdays, we're going to meet here at 7 o'clock. I'm going to do a very short teaching. We're going to have a little worship time. And then we're going to pray for the remainder of that hour from 7 to 8. We're calling this fast a sundown to sundown fast. So if you plan it right, you only have to skip two meals because you can eat right after sundown on Tuesday night and um, and uh, right before sundown on Tuesday night and then right after sundown on Wednesday night. But uh, but so a 24-hour fast sundown to sundown. And um, I don't know if you're tracking when sundown is, but sun sets at 534, I do believe. Uh, so you can eat at 535, just so you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's, uh, that's what's going to be happening this week. I'm real excited about that. Uh, I'm really believing that 2015 is going to be a great year. And I'm excited about sharing with you about changing our family tree. Because um, I think this has the power... And uh, even this message in this series has the power not only to change your life, but to change your family, and not only to change your family, but to change future generations. How many of you have ever noticed that, that, you know, there's family traits that are passed down? I know we we think of things like red hair, you know, that there's some families red hair. Well, in my family, it's no hair, you know, that that family trait uh, goes down in, in the family. But there's certain... But besides just physical characteristics that are passed down in families, how many know that there's also personality traits or even spiritual traits that are passed down uh, in families? We see this uh, in families. And sometimes we, uh, you know, you you just were born into a family. You didn't ask to be born into that family. You were born into that family. You You just either won or lost the lottery, you know, however you feel like it was. But you were born into your family and with your family came certain characteristics that just are sort of like family trees. And some of the negative ones, you almost, you know, I don't like, I, I call it baggage, but some even use the word like family curses that are on them, you know, just, just the, these negative things that run in your family. Well, what if we could, what if we could reverse the curse? What if we could in our family start a line or a legacy that would carry down to our children that would positively affect our entire family and even generations after us. If if there was a way to do that, I'd like to hear about that, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd like to know if there was a way that I could positively uh, affect uh, my family. Well, I came to tell you this morning that there is a way, and I'm excited about that. 
Psychology has discovered what God knew for a long time, and that is psychology now understands that when someone comes in for counseling, it's not just the person that comes in for counseling that has an issue. In fact, counselors now call that person the identified patient. That's the identified patient, but the real problem is not just in the person that we're counseling with. It's in the entire family system. There's some, there's some dysfunction that's going on in that entire family system, and so we, we bring Johnny in for counseling, but the truth is, not only does Johnny need counseling, but the whole family system needs to be looked at because um, we know that, that, that these personality uh, traits are passed down through families. But I said that before that uh, psychology discovered it, God discovered it. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to the second chapter of uh, the second book of the Bible, I'm sorry, Exodus right after Genesis, Genesis, Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 20, it's that section of Scripture that we call the Ten Commandments. And I want us to begin looking at verse 4 of Exodus chapter 20. And it says this, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image or anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the seas. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I don't tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, this first part's going to sound negative, but I promise you it's going to get positive. He says, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. And in my Bible, in the New, New Living Translation, it says, the entire family is affected. Wow. Did you, did you get that? That the Bible says that, that when we sin, it just doesn't affect us, but it affects our entire family families. And then it says, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. So, so these, these are passed down from generation to generation. There's junk, there's garbage, there's baggage that gets passed down uh, to us. But I told you that it's not all negative because if you look at verse 6, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who love me and obey my commandments. So he says, the sins are carried down to three or four generations. But get this, I show my love, I lavish my love on a thousand generations of those that love me and keep my commandments. So we're going to talk about changing our family tree. Now at the beginning of the year, I start reading the Bible again. And my first day, January 1, uh, I came across Psalms 1, was in my in my Bible reading for that day. I read the one-year Bible, which takes from the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. So Psalms chapter 1 was my assigned reading, and, and a tree showed up in Psalm 1. And it said, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Now listen to this. They're like trees. Planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit every season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Now, doesn't that sound good? Their leaves never wither, they're always bearing fruit, and everything they touch prospers. Now, that's the kind of person I want to be, don't you? A person like that kind of tree. Okay, and then uh, so in that same reading uh, for that day, I I was assigned to read Genesis chapter 2. And there's another tree that comes up. The Lord made all sorts of trees. He's talking about the Garden of Eden. Grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, 
Everyone say beautiful. beautiful. And that produced, say produced. produced. Delicious, say delicious. I like that. They, they were beautiful and they produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river fro- flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden. So in both of these passages, Psalm 1, Genesis chapter 2, we find these trees that are productive, that are beautiful, they've got leaves that don't wither, they're bearing fruit, and there's, a, there's water that goes alongside them. And, and anyone know what that water is? That water is the river of life. Amen. We call this life church because, because we, we believe that life ought to flow from the church, that the life of God and that the river of life and, and, uh, and, and it says that, uh, that as a result of it, we're beautiful. Amen. But now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, but, uh, but uh, uh, God created us not just to be beautiful, but he created us to be fruitful. He created you. He created you to be beautiful. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are so beautiful. <laughs> Now, depending on who you're sitting with, that could be awkward. But, uh, <laughs> but when I think of, about beautiful and fruitful, when I think about fruitful, I think of two things. Fruitful means that you're useful, you've got a purpose, uh, and, but it also doesn't mean just that you're useful. In Genesis chapter 2, it wasn't just useful, the, 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 the fruit, but it's delicious, and so he made you to be beautiful, he made you to be useful, but he also made you to be delicious. Don't you like that? I, I like that. I, I, I think that, uh, that, that God intended that you are beautiful, but that you would be tasteful. That when people saw you coming, they think there are, you know, we don't normally say this to people, man, you are so delicious. You know, that, 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 that there is something appealing about you. You're tasteful, you're beautiful, and that you have purpose. So that's this ideal tree that, that's by the river of life. This is the, this is the picture of the person who's devoted to God. They're meditating on his word day and night. They're not hanging around with mockers. They're not hanging, they're not gossipers. They're not, they're not hanging around the wrong crowds, but they're meditating on God's word. They're in his word day, every day. They've got a plan. They're studying it and their lives just seem to be bearing fruit. That's the kind of life that I want. Don't you? But in reality, that's the ideal life. But in the truth of the matter is, all of us in our own family trees see these personality traits and these things that are flowing down into our lives that aren't that beautiful. In fact, if we're honest, if I'm honest about my family tree, yeah, there's some beautiful branches, but I got some limbs that need to be lopped off. You know what I'm saying? There's just some stuff, there's just some junk that, uh, that, that's, that's passed down that, that's, that not, it's not necessarily beautiful. And, and so we struggle with things from generations uh, that come uh, before us. The, the next point that I'm, that I'm going to make is that sin not only affects me, it infects my entire family. Now, I don't like that. I don't, you know, it, I just want it to be that, you know, if I sin, it's on me. It affects me, but it doesn't hurt anybody else. Sorry. The Bible says it affects our entire families. 
that 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 the stuff that we uh, that when we that we make other idols other than God, it affects our entire family, and those are traits that we pass down, and we and we in our family suffer. Even if we have secrets that that. Uh, Maybe our kids don't know about. We participate in certain secrets, and every family's got family secrets. Frederick Beekner wrote a book called Telling Secrets, where he says we're only as sick as our secrets. And, and families have these secrets that, uh, uh, that, that are these, the, the, these issues that families deal with that just keep getting passed on and on, and sometimes they're never brought to light, and so they just continue to permeate from generation to generation. So it doesn't just affect me, it affects my entire family, and I don't like that. But if that's not bad enough, I notice that not only does it affect me, but it affects my kids, and it can affect my grandkids, and it can affect my great-grandkids. I don't know if you notice, but there's stuff in our families that affects future generations. Sin affects future generations. I want to I want to demonstrate something for you this morning. When I was uh, when I was studying uh, in college, I, I majored in, in, when I was in seminary. I majored in pastoral care and counseling, and one of the things that we looked at was we looked at our family systems and how to study our families, and and it's a way of looking about how we got to be who we are. And so, one of the assignments that I had was to do this thing on my family called a genogram. And when you do a genogram, you just diagram your family. And uh, a square is a male and a circle is a female. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I chose to do my mother's side of the family. And I'm going to genogram this side of the family. I'm going to just show you kind of how families work as an invitation for you to think about your own families. This is Bob. And this is Ina. Ina died when she was in her early 60s. 